<laughs> uh, we drifted away a little bit there, didn't we? That would have been awkward if we'd been actually in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> no, you say bye. No, bye. No, sorry, good. <laughs> Welcome to episode 15 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is for well you decide. As we wonder, oh, the world needs another effing marketing podcast. I'm your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of rockstarcmo.com and chief bottle washer at the content marketing agency Apropingo. This episode is recorded on Friday the 19th of June, and yes, you're probably tired of me mentioning this, but the pubs are still shut here in London and we're still pretty much on lockdown. So, in the absence of being able to talk rubbish in the pub, I appreciate you letting me talk to you at this social distance. Thank you for joining us. It's the usual format this week, coming up with chat to Jane Skander, a personal branding, social selling and marketing expert. She's an advisor to many senior executives and shares some of her insights. And as she's a native New Yorker, the conversation goes at quite a clip. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. I'm again delighted to welcome my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker at the Content Advisory, to the virtual Rockstar CMO bar for a cocktail and one thought for the week. Both the cocktail and the thought are particularly interesting this week, although regular listeners might guess what I'll be drinking. But first, I'll flick through the pages of our monthly dose of marketing street knowledge that we call rockstarcmo.com, and I'll suggest something that I'd like you to take a look at. Right, let's get on with the show, shall we? Okay, so this week, the section I'd like you to take a look at on Rockstar CMO is the Write For Us section. Yes, folks, if you like what we're doing, why don't you pitch us an article idea? I admit I do get a lot of crap in my inbox from people thinking we want to share link-filled, dull articles, listicles, or a particularly tenacious spam thread I have around explainer videos, or maybe worse, the email about growing my fast food business. So it'd be a welcome break to hear from you. We have a simple editorial policy. We sell ideas, not things. And we're interested in people with stories, experience to share and opinions. Maybe you know a CMO that's a bit of a rock star, a marketer or agency that we need to get on the tour bus with, or you have a strong marketing opinion that's not quite right for the mainstream that we can share. If so, get in touch. Best way to do that is our homepage, rockstarcmo.com, and click on the Write For Us link on the top right-hand side of the screen. I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, let's move on to the interview section. As I admitted previously, having this podcast is an excellent excuse to chat to folks I like, haven't seen for a while, or have only collaborated with virtually. And I hope you find them interesting too. Jane Skandura is certainly one of those folks. Jane has been a longtime collaborator and friend of Rockstar CMO. When she's not doing that, she's a wicked smart marketer. She advises clients on personal branding, social selling, through individual coaching and training. Hope you enjoy listening to this conversation. Welcome, Jane, to Rockstar CMO FM. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. It's it's good to finally chat to you. I know that you've made a lot of contribution to Rockstar. We've sort of um, collaborated virtually, but this is the first time we've spoken, so it's good to hear from you. It, it is. It is. And I, and I love the style of the writing. I mean, it's just very clever, very unique, and uh, you're really building a tremendous brand. I love it. 
Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, we have we have some fun. And the, the nice thing about it is that's why we do it. It's, we're not trying to build, you know, a listicle-based audience. It's uh, it's more about opinion and having some fun with it. Exactly. But, um, for, for people that don't read our wonderful publication <laughs> and maybe aren't familiar with, with you, tell us a bit about yourself, Jane. Well, first and foremost, I'm a uh, proud native New Yorker since I don't have the accent like you. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I, I grew up in Queens, which is one of the boroughs of New York City, which was way, mm-hmm. you know, way before it became cool to live outside of uh, the boroughs <laughs> in Brooklyn or Queens. Um, yeah. But before going on my own in, as a consultant in 2006, I, I spent most of my career in, in various global market management roles at, at large companies like IBM. Uh, Nokia, Bristol Myers, BBDO, advertising, and um, actually, at the at the risk of dating myself in a world of ageism, uh, I've been <laughs> working in the online business for over three decades. Um, started when I was five, I'd wow. say, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did the same. <laughs> exactly, but you know, it was one of the highlights of my career was was spending about seven and a half years uh, working for Prodigy, which I don't know if you even never heard of. Have you ever heard of Prodigy? I only know the group. No, it's not the group. <laughs> I wish I could say I work for the group. Um, it was actually the U.S.'s largest online services prior to the widespread commercialization of the Internet. And it was a partnership uh-huh. of IBM and Sears. So, right. um, you know, and, and as I mentioned, you know, looking back on your things that are tossed into your swimming pool, there are a few things that I would have tossed back in there in, 19, in the early <laughs> 90s, like the banner ads, which could have yeah. saved Everyone, a lot of time and, and, and money. So now yeah. I, I spend my time uh, uh, working on training and coaching programs that help organizations leverage branding and, and social media to drive engagement. And I do a lot of executive coaching and social selling training. Oh, splendid. I, just in that introduction, I think we could have about three episodes. I mean, the way you just you just glided across ages in there. And I think I think that's a, a major issue yeah. in our industry that we, we could definitely talk about. And maybe I should maybe I should do an issue on it on offer of Rockstar CMO. But if we can, uh, uh, I just, just to, you know, right now, you know, 2020 is working out to be um, quite the year for us marketers. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, you know, we were having a rough time with COVID and then, you know, we have um, very much an issue around um, about quality, particularly there in the US. Um, how, how are your clients handling and what advice are you giving to them right now? You know, it's tough. Uh, you know, it, the biggest thing is that, you know, I'm in the epicenter here in New York, right, mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, you know, New York City is pretty much shut down uh, in terms of, of working in the city and uh, in terms of, you know, massive layoffs, massive furloughs, you know, big interruptions, right. which I'm sure, you know, you're, you're experiencing over there, too. But, um, you know, more than anything else, it's it's going to be harder to get noticed. It's going to be harder to get the attention uh, with people so distracted. So uh, Mm. it's really knowing that differentiation, that value. I mean, I'm getting a lot of calls from people who are being laid off and furloughed. I'm like, well, you need to, if you haven't built that brand, if you haven't built that network, it's going to be very, very hard for you to get back into the swing of things. Mm. And I think that's interesting because um, there's two schools of thought there, isn't there? That everybody's everybody's uh, sitting around consuming loads of content, but on the other hand, I don't I, I don't really um, buy into that completely. I think they're only they're only really consuming good content or the content right. they choose. I, don't, I, don't, I think people have disengaged a little bit from social media, particularly lately with the politics that's going yeah. on. Yes. So I, I I think you're right. I think you you need to make that extra effort, which kind of you know draws back into what it is that you do which is uh, help people with personal branding and um 
I mean, in, right now it's it's really it's really tough. But in yeah. normal circumstances, why do you think it's so important that people focus on their personal brand? Because you know, in, in today's day and age, you know, just the the attention spans of are, are just nil. And mm-hmm. the only way to really get attention is to draw people to you and, and you, know, you know the value that you deliver and why people should care. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't have those networks. And, and I know that people are not consuming, like you said, maybe they're not consuming content in the, the shutdown and whatever, but you're, but you're reaching, you can have people to reach out to. If you have been, yeah. you've been isolated and no one knows who you are, or you haven't built that network or that people, um, you know, don't reach out to you. Um, you're going to have a tough time. So um, I think people don't buy skills. I, I often tell people they really buy comfort. Um, yeah. And and so, you know, we all have our doctors. I mean, I've gone through, I can't tell you how many dentists I've gone through. Um, you know, <laughs> they all have their, their diplomas on the wall. But if they don't make me feel comfortable in their care, then I'm going to go somewhere else. So yeah. it's really understanding what your strengths are. And I don't know if you've heard of the, the tool StrengthsFinder. It's a great um, it's by Gallup. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's one of those things that, that, you know, you, to be able to understand what you do well. And it definitely changed mm-hmm. my direction when I went through this. And yeah. it, it's really more, you know, your reputation. I mean, nothing has really changed. It is your reputation uh, yeah. and being able to stand out. That, that's that's interesting. I, I'll include a link to that um, in in the show notes. Um, but to me, that's that as a product marketer, I guess um, that just sounds the same as if you were looking at if you're selling any product, right? Is yep. you're actually selling reassurance and trust exactly, um, and it's the same same with yourself and your own services, isn't it? That's that's really interesting, and I think that's um, that's also especially important now that people are getting very familiar with the gig economy, right? They're yeah. employ they're they're employing people in different ways. Exactly. Exactly. And the first and foremost, it's it's own mindset. It's it's you know you have to think yeah. of yourself as a brand. If you're not thinking of yourself as a brand, it's going to be very hard for you to be authentic and to be genuine and to to put yourself out there with with a clarity of purpose and and direction yeah. and the confidence that you need to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So and and. We, um, I guess, social media is the place to do that, obviously. Yeah. Um, but also more broadly than just recruitment and people getting hired, it's also um, changing selling. I think, and also mm-hmm. right now, I think every organization has turned into a virtual selling organization. Um, although I would argue, from a content marketing perspective, we've been doing it for years. Yeah. But what's the key piece of advice you're giving to organizations right now when they're looking at social selling? I know that's something else you've been looking at. Yes, I mean I, I do that uh, regularly. I have a, a program that I that I teach, and it's a it's a six week program because it's it's really a mindset more than anything mm-hmm. else. Social selling is a mindset change, and it takes a, a yeah. behavior change. So it's I do like right. a six week program. So one week we do this, and the next week we do that, and by the end of the six mm-hmm. weeks, you're kind of doing it. But um, it, it, the, the the issue is, you know, the internet may be the way that we're delivering things, but. Uh, the the mindset is to be helpful. Nobody, nobody oh, yes. is sold, right? And and I and I have a, a story that I wanted to tell you that um, before the internet, uh, you know, <laughs> this hasn't even started, uh, but you know, social selling kind of was, has always existed. Um, I, back when I was at Prodigy, uh, the online service, uh, I was in a buying position. So I had a in my late twenties, I had a twenty million dollar budget. For marketing and nice. so everybody was my best friend, right? Everybody wanted to, <laughs> to, to, to for me to buy from them, but um, there were a few people that would call me, and they were sales guys, but they didn't sell me. They would say, "Hey, Jane, you know, 
you know, if you did this, you could probably save about $10,000 on that, on that newsletter that you're doing. And then, you know, if you did, mm. and these are the guys that were helping me to just be better at my job and they weren't doing business with me. And there was one in particular that I started to do business with because he was helpful. And mm-hmm. um, this guy went on to become the founder or one of the founders of Blue Man Group. Wow. Yes. One of my best friends back then. We spent more time together than, than I did with my family. Um, and he told me back uh, about a few years ago, there was an anniversary party for Blue Man Group. And he mm-hmm. told me that if there was no prodigy, there would be no Blue Man Group because the money that he made off the contracts that I gave him financed the first show. Now, how cool is that? Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that, that's a nice um, uh, claim to fame, isn't it? That, that, uh, yeah. that you're, you're right there at the beginning. Yeah, but then I said, you know, where are my royalties, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always be, always be getting those. Yeah, but the point being is that, you know what, this was happening before the internet. He yeah. was helping me. He was, he was just being helpful. So the point being is that with social media, these salespeople need to be out there because we're all looking to educate ourselves to be better at what we do. And if the salespeople are out there sharing the content and helping me be better at my job, then I'm going to gravitate to them and want to work with them. So it, it's, it hasn't changed. It's just the vehicle and how it's being delivered. Yeah. 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 So, um, because I think a lot of, it seems to me that, I mean, even people that talk about social selling, um, I, I started following somebody on Twitter who talks about social selling and then he just started tagging me and everything. Oh. And, um, and, and that wasn't what I thought of as, as social selling. I thought it was interesting. And then when I didn't, respond he just unfollowed me and I thought is that how social selling works but what you're saying there is is just be a decent person yes um the fact you're doing it on social media doesn't doesn't really change anything no and it's also timing you know I I tell people in my classes like social selling is like dating you know if you you know Mm -hmm. if you're doing something you're not going to go and 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 send an email and say hey buy from me just like you're not going to say hey marry me when you first you know (laughs) you know, mm-hmm. up to somebody. So, you know, thinking about it in the real, in real life, I mean, it, it's stupid what, what people mm-hmm. are doing. And I, and I find that you're right. It's the people that profess to be the, the, um, the experts in this that are the biggest offenders. Yeah. 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 I, and I just thought that was interesting because I, I was genuinely curious about social selling and I thought, I wonder what this guy's got to say. And so I started reading some of this stuff and then, and then this behavior started and I thought, I, I, I don't, you're not credible. No. You know, so, um, no. Yeah, and I think I think that probably is the same in any industry, isn't it? Whatever you're doing socially, you need to yeah. be trustworthy and credible first about the thing that you're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. And how, how absolutely. Yeah. And that comes with time, yeah. and that comes with time. It's patience, and you know, I understand that salespeople have quota bullseyes on mm-hmm. their back, and you know, they need to make their quarterly quotas. But you know, these are this is a pipeline filling thing, and it's and yeah. it, so it's not something that's going to happen overnight. And, and salespeople are very impatient. Yeah, that's true. And um, my main focus is on content marketing. So I share that pain in that, yep. you know, if you don't invest, you know, it, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, I think it was, um, I think it was Robert Rose, who's a content marketing guru of mine is, and the proverb that, you know, if the best time to plant a tree was 200 years ago, yeah. second best time is today, right? So it's the same, isn't it, with with any, any um, sales, sales and marketing technique, you need to invest a bit of time into it. Absolutely. It's relationships, yeah. all relationships, whether it be consumer driven or it's a you know business to business, you have to build that trust and that takes time. Again, it's like dating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so 
from from that perspective, and I know something else, and something you've written for us actually on Rockstar CMO because we've done uh, we've we cover weird topics for for a marketing um, a publication sometimes. An employee engagement was mm-hmm. was one of them. I don't mean the topic is weird; it's just you know not something <laughs> other people other people cover. And you told us a really uh, good story about engaging current employees and former employees in that network, and that seems to be very cogent to what you've just been talking about about social selling and maintaining a network from a personal brand perspective. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, from from an, a former employee, you mean right? Um, yes. So, yeah. so yeah. So I, I, when I, after I left IBM, I, I went and mm-hmm. did a very creative project. And then, uh, because of my social media activity, uh, mm-hmm. I, I stayed in touch with some folks and they brought me back in as a consultant to work on, uh, their alumni program. So it's a corporate alumni program. Yeah. And so my job was to engage the global sales and marketing teams to engage with former IBM employees who were now it decision makers in new companies. And these folks who were your former employees, regardless of how they left, you know, maybe they were laid off or maybe, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. they still may have an affinity and most do for the products and services that the company sells. And they're, they're the lowest hanging fruit and they could be your biggest advocates. And we found that engaging former employees were, uh, it was hugely successful in driving business much quicker and and much easier. And how, how do you manage a a program like that is it like any kind of influencer program or any um customer targeting program is it you just build a, a database of those folks and reach out is it a formal process organization should do well you know it's it's interesting because when, when i i'm trying to think of what year that was it was probably 2009 2010 when i started mm-hmm. on that program and and what i was doing was trying to get these people more in in tune with linkedin as a way to right. connect with people and and you know when you when you're working with with some salespeople that have been at the organization for 10, 20 years are like, ah, I know everybody I need to know. I was like, yeah, but you don't know who they know, right? Yeah. So so it was really more of, of enabling them uh, in, in how to leverage LinkedIn, which is, again, the social selling aspect of, of looking up people in companies and target companies and seeing who former employees. And I remember once being on a call with a, with a global sales team and giving the shtick on why they needed to, you know, connect with former employees. And one very smart sales guy while I was on the call was going um, on a sales call later that day and looked up the account and saw that there was a former employee there that he did not know. And he Mm -hmm. closed the deal in less than six months, which they had no relationship with the company before. I think LinkedIn's astonishing. Um, I was an industry analyst for a little while and I'd, I'd meet, um, I'd have uh, uh, clients, um, sorry, vendors pitch me on their latest ideas, their software and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was always a measure for me of, of engagement is if they bother to look me up on LinkedIn before the meeting. It's, yeah. you know, most of us are fairly public on LinkedIn and it's not hard to find just a couple of little nuggets or a person you've got in common or yep. something about somebody's background that can just start a conversation so easily. Exactly. And, and for salespeople, they can put a ton of information with case studies and all kinds of things that, that people can look and, and, and they'll learn about the company and the products and services they sell without even speaking to them. So, yeah, yeah. you know, having a strong profile is very, very important. Yeah, I also think that visiting somebody's profile, even if you don't say hello, is a way of saying hello in a f- strange kind of way. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that to see that somebody took the time yeah. and interest in your profile could, you know, it warms the conversation, even if you haven't ha- had it yet. It could, it could also work against you. I have the, I, I, it, because, you know, you go to someone's profile and it's like n- nothing there. 
Those are the yeah. opportunities that you don't know that you lost because of Yeah, that. that's true. So it really makes sense to, to, to take that time to really make it a strong one. Yeah, that, and that's to your personal branding point. Is that where you tend to advise people to start on LinkedIn with their personal brand? Yeah. Yes. Um, well, before even before that, to to know what makes them different. I mean, you know, not all salespeople are created equal. Some people thrive on the cold call. Some people are better mm. at relationships. You know, what is that unique aspect? What is that something memorable about you that's going to make someone want to work with you? And then take that and then leverage that into your your LinkedIn profile. And then how do you leverage that for social selling? So it's kind of a process. Right. Okay. And what's your top tip? Well, is it um, because a lot of people's LinkedIn profile and probably. Now I'm thinking about mine. Uh, are probably just really a CV they've thrown up with yep. some some nice mealy words around it. Is is that the primary problem you see with what people do? Yeah, um, because there are certain. Um, it's all about feeding and satisfying the LinkedIn algorithm. And mm-hmm. if you don't have a complete profile, you are not getting the exposure that you want. And even if you share stuff on LinkedIn, if you don't have a complete profile, it's not going to be seen in the in the news feeds. So right. sprinkling lots of keywords that are relevant to what you do, as well as having a, I think one of the, the biggest tips I give people is having your headline be something that makes you stand out. If you just have sales manager and that's it, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, like, yeah. so, so that's the, and that's what shows up in search. So you want that to work for you. Yeah. I always struggle with that one because you want to appear, like you say, distinctive, mm-hmm. but you don't want to appear like an idiot. You know, some people put some weird things in their line, don't they? Like yeah. um, that they, they drink tea or well, yeah. that would be in my, my case, currently drinking tea, but you know, they just put daft stuff in there and it does make them stand out, but you wouldn't click on it because you've got no idea what they're talking about. And they seem to have too much personality. No, it's true. <laughs> and you know, one little blip in my career is I co-produced a, a feature documentary and mm-hmm. I put in my profile headline for a while there, you know, documentary filmmaker. And that got mm-hmm. more attention than anything I'd done over the last 30 years, which was weird. Uh, yeah. But, you know, just something very unique about you that, that makes you stand tip. out. Yeah, no, there, there, there's a top tip. Um, we, uh, before we um, – uh, well, actually, you've already referred to it in the conversation. Um, you've, you know about our portal to marketing hell, our mm-hmm. – um, our rockstar CMO swimming pool, where we chuck all the bullshit snake oil and overhyped trends. Yep. Um, of all the things that you've come across in your career, and I think we've touched on a couple of them, which is the one you'd throw from our virtual balcony? Well, you know, um, I, I'd love to throw one in that's relatively new as opposed to old. I mean, the old one was the banner ads. That would I definitely agree because people <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, and we knew that back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, but but something that's really been pissing me off lately is LinkedIn solicitations and sales pitches that, that sound like they're coming from my best friend and they're for services that I clearly have no need for. And if they just checked out my profile on my website, but, um, you know, I, I know, you know, email marketing is, is alive and well, and, you know, even a blind squirrel will find a nut eventually, but, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. you know, out of thousands of emails, maybe they'll get a few handful of responses, but it is just killing LinkedIn, I think, um, yeah. you know, I just think people have to just stop doing it. I think that they're scraping the data and sending these things out because they've obviously not looked at my profile. They obviously, Hey Jane. And like, don't call me. Hey, don't say, Hey, you don't know me. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, this is a pet peeve I'm seeing all over um, that, yeah. that everybody has. And, and, and one of the challenge and, and the worst ones are the ones where they're pitching the services that you provide. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> And I've responded to those. Like, have you not seen what I do? <laughs> yeah, have you not even read the first? Well, the thing is, in my profile, I actually have there, um, you know, by all means, come say hello, but don't connect. 
you know, I'll connect. I only connect with people I've met or I've worked with. Um, mm-hmm. But but please say hello. And I and I still get you know connection requests saying um, you know uh, we we should we should expand our, our network. Why? Right. <laughs> well, you know that's okay. That's okay. I mean, I do accept and I do send out um, linked invitations to to people I don't know, but I tell them why. I do tell them. Yeah, why. exactly. Yeah, that's what I want to know. I want to know why. Um, right. I, you know, for me, that isn't a firm enough reason. The firm enough reason isn't I, I've I've looked at your profile. It looks interesting. I right. think that I should expand my profile, uh, my network. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Okay, but that, it, it, that, it goes back down to being helpful. It goes back down to being helpful. Yeah, yeah. You, not for me. Yeah, yeah, but you're absolutely right. I think chucking. Uh, all of that stuff, uh, and I think it's it, you're right. It's it's killing LinkedIn. I I like LinkedIn. I, I, I keep it fairly clean. And Twitter's drive me nuts. I mean, somebody once yeah. described that as a, a a burning dumpster, and I think they they make a very good point. Yeah. But LinkedIn, I'm still I, I still have the faith, and um, and I agree with you. It's going to get ruined by uh, by these unsolicited sales calls. So I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um. So that was that's been fabulous we've I'd, I'd love to go back over all the things we talked about you've you've um, raised some really interesting points and hopefully I'll have you back on the podcast again soon so when uh, folks spin the dial on the interwebs where will they find you Jane uh, make it very easy just my first and last name together one word mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, on Twitter and, and even uh, janeskindera.com where you can find the links to my business offerings as well That's fantastic. Thank you very much, Jane. I really enjoyed the conversation. I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Splendid. Thank you so much, Jane. Super conversation. Right. It's that time again as we unwind from a long, hard rockstar CMO week of throwing things into the swimming pool. And judging by the huddle of eager autograph hunting content marketing groupies in reception, Mr. Robert Rose must be in the bar. Good evening, Robert. What are we drinking? Oh, my goodness. It's so good to see you, my friend. Um, You know, here's the thing. We have a wonderful cocktail uh, this week. Uh, We have a what's called a dark volcano. Um, and this is, you know, my signature tequila. I'm, I'm a big tequila drinker, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's tequila, lemon, bitters, yeah. and here's the secret ingredient, activated charcoal. And yeah, it sounds weird, but it's, but it's actually really, really nice. It's uh, easy to find. It's not, you would think it would be hard to find, but it's actually very easy to find in, um, the pharmacy or, or of your choice there. Um, mm-hmm. and you put all that together and you get this very sort of, smoky, uh, wonderful, sweet uh, drink that feels quite tropical, even though it, it, there's that smoke of the activated charcoal to it. So wow. it's a beautiful, wonderful wow. drink. Well, I mean, that's an ingredient I've never heard of, right? But I'm, I'm, let alone have. <laughs> but I'm yeah. going to try and make a drink uh, now. Um, tell us a bit more about activated charcoal. What does that actually mean? Uh, well, it's just activated charcoal. It's usually used to do things like settle your stomach. So, you know, it's a natural remedy for, you know, an upset stomach or those sorts of things where you've eaten something wrong or whatever. And um, it's basically just a fine, uh, usually in a powder form, you'll find it and you can drink it with water or whatever to help settle your stomach. But in this case, you're mixing it into your your cocktail. 
Splendid. I, like, like a lot of your cocktails, they always sound like health tonics to me, so that sounds fantastic. So, But it was basically uh, tequila, and I think we've established in previous episodes that the Bombay Sapphire I have on my desk right here is, is sufficient, correct? Uh, yes, it, that is a... <laughs> That will be a sufficient mm-hmm. replacement for uh, yeah for your tequila. Uh, so a quick shot of that, yeah. And then, um, needless to say, I don't have charcoal. Um, what a, what what else did I put? What did you put into that drink? Uh, well, there was lemon and bitter. Lemon. Oh, lemon yeah. and bitters. Oh, you know what that tastes like when you put them together? It tastes very much like tonic water. Uh, it, indeed. I think, indeed. I think. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's drop a bit of uh, bit of that in there. Splendid. Ooh, I'll give this a try. What did you say it was called? Uh, this is the Dark Volcano. Mmm. Oh, that is quite nice. It doesn't look as dark as you expect. So. No, it did, did not. No, yeah, no. mine's almost clear. Right. It's not quite as dark as you might expect. Yes. Mm. But that's a very nice drink. I, 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 it's, it's a pleasure to come down here and see you every week, Robert, because my eyes are always open to something new. There you go. <laughs> yes. And if, uh, if we're sitting drinking these, where would we go? So, yeah, so it is a bit of a tropical tasting drink, uh, despite, mm-hmm. um, despite you know, the ingredients that you might have heard there. Mm-hmm. There is a place, and my well-documented hatred for Florida is uh, well-known. <laughs> but there is a place in Florida, North Florida, just uh, just shy of the Georgia border. It's called Amelia Island, um, ah. and it's a beautiful, wonderful place. Um, and it's the you know just gorgeous white sand beaches and um, very uh, you know very southern in its uh, charm. So yeah. I, that's where I think we should drink these. Oh, I've seen they have a big car show there, don't they? For um, I think once a year. I don't know whether that's your interest but they had a big car show there and it always looks beautiful when i see it on tv so i can picture us there uh at some beautiful vintage cars sitting out there uh, oh, very nice. that sounds very nice um and then uh actually we shouldn't have taken the car should we um <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> i've driven myself into the wrong story here so we're, we're sitting there on amelia island uh and uh, and chatting over a few of these things what thought would you leave me with as we wander back to the uh the villa. You know, I think one of the things we've been talking a lot about is the idea of, you know, mapping content to uh, our marketing and the journeys that our customers are taking. Um, And one of the mistakes or traps that I see us falling into a lot is looking at the maps that we build, our journey maps that we're building of our customers as static things projects that we create once and then we try and lock ourselves uh, into and yeah. and one of the things that i think is becoming increasingly important is making sure that we look at journey maps as a process not a project where yeah. um you know maps change right you know rivers change their course yeah and, you know cities grow things happen and so yeah. just like that our journey maps should change as well and so as we start mapping new optimal experiences into those journey maps, we have to yeah. make sure that we're allowing for the fact that they will change too. Yeah. And I, th- I think, um, we, I mean, we've skillfully avoided the, the issues of this year, but that's a classic example. I, I just wrote a blog post myself about how now's a good time to uh, review your personas, for example. Um, because, you know, events change, like you say, the world changes and you, and you need to, um, you need to keep on top of those things. And, 
the the thing I always see is that people do this at the beginning, you know, when they first get hired or a project starts, and then they sort of put it away in the virtual filing cabinet and never never look at it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let alone review it. And yeah, so that's a really good point. Uh, yeah, so uh, the, the thought for the week after we've had our cocktail is uh, is that we need to refresh our journey maps on a regular basis. Indeed. Oh, that's splendid. Thank you very much, Robert. And uh, and and uh, I'll, s- I'll speak to you hopefully next week. Absolutely, looking forward to it. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, Robert. Thank you, Robert. This is quickly becoming the highlight of my week. And that wraps up this episode. And thank you for dropping your virtual quarter into the podcasting jukebox and jiving along to our queue. Thanks also to our Rockstar CMO contributing community, to Jane and Robert, and of course to you for listening. If you like the show or have some suggestions or feedback, please let us know or drop us a rating into the podcasting platform of your choice. As I mentioned previously, you can get in touch with us through our website, rockstarcmo.com, on Twitter, at rockstarcmo, or on LinkedIn. And of course, I'll share the show notes and all the links from the show at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to join our band, write for us, share in a marketing opinion, or nominate your own Rockstar CMO, then please get in touch. I've been your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of rockstarcmo.com and chief bottle washer at Atpro Pingo. Next week, I'm hoping to chat to Elle Michelle Smith, who I mentioned in a previous podcast. She runs a fantastic podcast herself called Cultural Soup that I recommend you check out. In the meantime, I hope you stay safe, well, and as sane as you feel you need to be, And I hope you'll join us again next week on Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.